Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. Okay, so we're in the last of a series called God's Family Plan. And felt like the Lord led me in this direction just to uh, say some things, preach some things, declare some things, bring some word into the subjects uh, of, over the family. So that we're really, as believers, intending and going after the things of God in our families. Has that been valuable to you at all? So, you know, we talked about marriage, uh, intimacy, we talked about kids, um, things from the Bible that just talks about parents. We're, we are tasked and responsible for raising godly kids, and, and they, they can be pillars, absolute pillars in our communities if we'll teach them and raise them the right way. But I promise you this, if the world's telling us how to do it, it's probably wrong. They just, they just got a knack, the world has a knack for getting it wrong all the time. I mean... This statement, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, it seems like they're not even finding, there's no blind squirrels finding nuts in the world. I mean, they're just, they're just wrong all the time. The only time they're right, the only time they're right is when somehow they find a way into a principle that's in the book, that's in the Bible. That's the only time they work. So we've got to make a shift. We have to make, um, we have to break the cycle in our kids and teach them the things of God. That means uh, when they come home from school, you're going to have to talk to them about their day because there's, they have been taught some things that are not godly. And, and they need to understand that is not what we believe. Okay, thank you, Lord. So we're t- we talked about training. We talked about discipline. We talked about chores. We talked about parents, sorry, parents being uh, consistent. That's the hardest word, being consistent in discipline, right? I mean, you got 12 kids and you can't even remember what you told the seventh one. But you got to be consistent with what you do, what you do and what you say and, and, and follow up. And this is the hardest thing to do as a parent, but my kids need consistency. They need boundaries. They need rules to follow. Amen? So we talked a lot about that. We talked about lying. You remember that part of lying? That verse in Proverbs, God hates six things, seven things he absolutely detests. And two on the list are lying. You remember? Lying should not be anywhere near us in any way, shape, or form. Parents, your kids are watching when you're talking to the neighbor, right? No, I, I don't think our dog poops on your lawn ever. I don't think that's even a thing. Like, what? your kids are watching. Are you listening to me? Thank you, sir. Are you listening? I mean, we got to tell the truth all the time, and we got to require the truth from our children. When you know they are fibbing, handle it like it's something that God hates. How would you discipline in that, in that way? You wouldn't let a little white lie go, would you? Okay, I, I'm not preaching this again. This was last week. I'm just saying, this is stuff that's important. We need to make sure that we're telling the truth in our jobs, in our marriages, with our kids, and putting that also into them, requiring the truth from them. Because there's grace and mercy on us from the Lord when we tell the truth, even if it's to our own hurt. When you make a mistake and you fess up, you tell the truth. You have God's grace to help you through it. When you don't, you're on your own because you have now done something God detests. He hates, and it will not go well for you. In my house, if you lie on top of making the mistake, it's 10 times worse. 10 times worse. 
I mean, you might just got a little bit of probation on the front end. Now you're doing like a nickel and Gino, I'm telling you right now, we're locking you up. Okay. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Give them chores. Let them make decisions. Go back and listen to last week's message. That was just a little, little wrap up on dealing with kids. Give them chores. Help them to make decisions. Your kids need to know how to make decisions when they're young and learn rewards and consequences from those decisions so they begin to make good ones when they're not under your wing. It's a good thing to do. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, we're going to talk and wrap up the series on God's family plan about talking about our church family, our church family. And the word has a lot to say about our church family. When he draws us in together and pulls us in together, that he does this intentionally on, on purpose. This is not something that's just whimsical or just nonchalant. This is, this is intentional by God to pull us together so that we can sharpen each other, help each other, stir each other up. And, and help guide one another as we move through this thing of life following the Lord. We're supposed to be connected, not just on a Sunday morning. We're supposed to be intentional about how we get together, how we break bread, what we talk about, how we stir things up. Amen? In, uh, in Mark uh, chapter 16, and I believe we finally got that reference right, unless I, I wrote 16 down. Did we get it? Or was it end up being Matthew? Where's my people that were here both? It's 16. Is it Mark or Matthew? Because I wrote it down wrong the first time, and, and we, we spent some time, you know, looking through Scripture. It was great. <laughs> Matthew. It's Matthew. Let me make sure. Matthew. Yes, Matthew. Uh, let's, jump, let's jump down to uh, verse 15. Matthew 16, verse 15. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, but he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but, but my Father who is in heaven. And then in verse 18, he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now go back to verse 18. Verse 18. Look at this. Jesus said, these are red letters. Everybody say red letters. red letters. Jesus just changes Peter's name right here from Simon to Peter. And he tells him, you are Peter, and, and, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Listen, Jesus said that he's going to build his church and he's going to start with Peter. Peter was the overseer, the pastor, if you will, of the church in Jerusalem from its fledgling beginning. And after Peter got up, and preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were now in the church, just like that, from the gospel. And he's in charge, right? How would you like that? 3,000 people, you're in charge, go with it. Jesus said, you're tasked with it, you are capable of it, you're equipped to do it. And Jesus said, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. Jesus was using Peter as an example that he's going to build the church, and Peter's going to help lead it. And then he says this, this is great, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You and I are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are we not? That's who we are. When we've said yes to Jesus, we come into the church, into the body of Christ, into the family of God. We are adopted sons and daughters of the living God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's like the best news you heard all day right there. We're in. And yet he, Jesus wants to continue to build the church. And we got to get out of this mindset as Christians that God, Jesus, it, through us, is going to build the church just with other Christians from other churches. How is he really going to, if he's going to build and grow the church, where are those people going to come from? They're the lost. 
They're the, they're the ones that have no idea, maybe yet, that Jesus even loves them in the world right now. And Jesus is wanting to build his church with the lost as they come in to know Jesus. Are you hearing me? That's how you build. In this space, come on, two services, 70% full each service, 80% each service, depending on the week, sometimes 90% each service. It's full in here. We need more space. You believe in with us? We need another building. I mean, they're not going to let us add on to the back of this thing. They don't like that kind of stuff. We need our own space. Amen? It's because the Lord is adding to the church. And as people come in and they get born again and saved, they're now in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is trying to build his church using us by pulling the lost out of darkness into the light. And it's why he said that. Can we put verse 18 back up? It's why he said that the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you realize that unless you're in some sort of fake wrestling match, a gate is never used as an offensive weapon? Are you hearing me? The gate is meant to keep people out or keep people, keep the, keep the kids in, keep the dogs in. The, the enemy is trying to keep people shut up in darkness. There are people in the world right now today that don't even acknowledge that God exists. Don't even know that Jesus came and died for them. Don't even know that there's a plan of redemption so that they don't have to live in hell on earth and then die and go to the real one. They don't even know. So the enemy's got them bound, closed up. The gates are shut on them. That's why Jesus said the gates won't prevail against us, meaning we are supposed to be the ones that come up and kick the gate down. Come on now. There's something better than where you're living. It's the Lord Jesus, and he loves you, and he's taken all your sin. He's pulled it off of you from the cross, and all you got to do is just acknowledge he's Lord and Savior. Come on, we have the greatest message on the planet. If we sit back and just continue to wait for people to come to us, we're not kicking down the gates of hell and shining light in the darkness. Amen? I mean, this is what we are called to do. We are believers. We believe that this stuff is real, it's right, it's from God, and we're called to step into people's lives sometimes even uninvited, and say, there's a better way. Let me share Jesus with you. I was at the, uh, the airport had a big event, a fly-in this weekend, and I was there just wandering around, starstruck over airplanes and sitting and stuff and making airplane noises. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And yet, just trying to be aware of, God, what, what do you want to do through me while I'm just here kind of having some fun and drooling on airplanes? What do you want me to do? There's there's, there's people, there's contacts, there's, and the Lord brought somebody into my path, and I got to share the gospel with one of these vendors while we were just talking. He was telling me how he had just kind of fallen into a career path and this and the other, and then all of a sudden, he's in this wonderful job, getting to fly airplanes, and he's like, it's just so cool. And I go, you don't think you got there by accident, did you? No, I don't think I did. I said, well, how do you think you got there? Well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the answers is luck, coincidence, just fortunate, I guess. And yet there's another explanation. Maybe there is a God that loves you and cares about you. And before you even knew him, he knew you and had ordered your steps. So I got to just share Jesus with them. Let them know that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart, knocking on every man, every woman's heart. And you can only open it from the inside. Are you willing to do that? And he started telling me, oh, I was raised in church and I kind of got away from it. How many, you know, you've heard that story before, right? Grandma drugged me there. And as soon as I could get out of there, right? But there's a whole bunch, a whole world full of people, raised in church or not, that haven't ever heard that Jesus loves them, that's literally standing at the door of their heart knocking, trying to gain entrance so he can come in and help them and set them free and clean them up. 
Never heard it. So just listening to your heart, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, checking in. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to minister today? Can I share the gospel with anybody today? Is there anybody that you want me to touch, to talk to? He's helping us. Amen? The gates of hell will not prevail. The church's job is to kick down the gates of hell, go in there and plunder darkness and set people free. Not of our own power, but because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. We have the greatest message on the planet. And we have to be the church in these last days if we're going to see the harvest we're supposed to see. It's us. It's us. Come on, say that with me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Thank you, Lord. So what is God interested in? God and the Lord Jesus, he's interested in building the church. So this isn't about numbers. This isn't having bigger buildings and better sound and, and, you know, bigger classrooms. It's not about that. It's about building the church of God. It's about seeing people come to know Jesus. That's what God's plan and purpose is. So if we're believers and we love God, our, our mission, our heart has to beat for the lost. Our heart has to beat for the church that Jesus wants to build. Not just shuffling church, uh, Christians around from churches, but to see the lost get saved. Amen? Amen? That's our job. Young and old, small and great, that's our job. Our heart has to beat for it. So this is my, this is my question. What in our priority list in life? Where does building the church fall in our life? Where does what Jesus prioritizes, what he puts at the top, where does that fall in our list of to-dos day in and day out? Because I'm telling you that the enemy is super good at keeping us busy. He's really good at it. He's not okay that you already made Jesus your Lord. You confess Jesus as Lord, you're, you're already off of his territory. If heaven's your home, you, you've already missed plan number one for the devil. But he's okay with you just sitting on the sidelines and being busy. And if, he'll, if you'll let him, he will make you so busy, you won't even be able to remember what Monday it is. We're in charge of our schedules by being led by the Holy Spirit. I realize I'm stepping on toes. Come on, just stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Don't, don't get mad, don't get offended. We're unoffendable at Westside, right? We're totally unoffendable. Can't be done. Say whatever you need to say, Lord, Amen. We are the ones that are responsible for what we do with our time, what we do with our kids, what we do. Every time there's something else we're going to add to our list or take on, we need to come to the Lord and say, Father, what, what's your design? What's your heart in this? How do you want me to handle this? Some of these things just seem natural and okay. I mean, just... just just for example, let's talk about sports, right? I'm, I'm for kids playing sports. I'm for it. I played sports, thought it did me a world of good. A world of good. But back then, there were no Sunday games. Practices on Wednesday night were cut short. Why? Because youth group and church started. Come on now, this is a big deal. We have, we have been revamped without even knowing it. And now soccer's number one. Well, we got a tournament. We're going to be gone. They're playing on Sundays. My kid's too good to miss. He really helps the team. If your kid's so good to miss, they'll change the schedule for so he's there or she's there. Somebody's got to stand up for what's right sometime, some way, some shape or form. Our, our schedules should not dictate our lives. Our lives from the Lord should dictate our schedules. What am I doing to build the kingdom in my life on a weekly basis, on a monthly? What does, it, what does my schedule look like? If, if it's so full... That Sunday morning is the only opening. We're missing some things. 
I know it's super popular, right? But I'm telling you, we have such a short time on this earth. It's over in just a vapor. And, and how we present to our kids what's important, what's priorities, makes a difference. They will see this. If something comes up that trumps being in church, that would bump it, they will remember that. Are you guys okay? I mean, if every time something crazy happens, crisis happens, and, and, and church is always getting bumped, oh, we can't go to church today because we got da 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 da. When your kids, they're going to take it to the next level. They're going to be like, oh, we go to church when it fits, not, you know, get it bumped. It's just whenever we have a Sunday open, the enemy will make sure you never have a Sunday open. If, if stuff moves you and keeps you from the plan of God, he'll make sure you're busy all the time. Are, are you guys okay? I mean, there's a 100% chance. I love this quote. There's a 100% chance your kids are going to stand before Jesus and give an account for their life, Right? There's like a 0.002% chance your kid's going to make the pros. Right? 100%? Stand before Jesus, give an account for your time in your life. 0.00, maybe another 0.2% your kid makes the pros. I mean, what are we really putting our time into? What are we really showing our kids that's valuable? I, again, team sports, I 100% believe in them. I think they teach character and discipline. But we got to be super realistic about what the path is for our kids. And listen, you have to hear from God. You might have, you might have the next superstar sports athlete that's going to be a, uh, an instrument for God in that avenue. But I tell you what, God will make sure that they get to where they're going when you put your priorities straight. They don't have to practice eight days a week. You know what I mean? I said that on purpose because that's what it feels like. People are just, they're always, always doing that sport, always doing this thing. Your kid is not going to stand before God on how well they played the clarinet, right? Can you imagine? Play a little something for me. Mm. You know what I mean? This is not going to happen. Work hard at what you're doing, but make sure your priorities are what Jesus prioritizes. Parents, we demonstrate that to our kids. Grandparents, you demonstrate that to the generations below you. What are our priorities? I'm not saying you don't take vacations. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't take time off. I'm not saying you can't miss a Sunday. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, where's your heart? Where's your priorities? What's important to you in the kingdom of God? Amen. So we'll talk a little bit about church family. We are the church. We're the church locally, right? We're Westside Church. That's our church family. That's who we're supposed to connect with and, and be intentional about. But then we're also a part of the overall, the church worldwide. There are people that are going to heaven with different names on their church doors because they're born again. They love Jesus. It, it's, it's not a good use of our time as believers to squabble with fellow Christians about doctrine. It's a waste of time. There's lost people going to hell, and we're worried about whether the Bible says this about Moses or that about Abraham. Well, Jesus didn't really intend that. You know what? Move on. If people are willing to learn and grow, great. If they just want to argue, come on, there's lost people that need to be saved. So we're a part of the overall church, and as the body of Christ, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's intentional about building the church by kicking down the gates of hell and seeing the lost get saved. That's our job, and we got to own it like it's everything in us. Did you know there's a crown in heaven when we get there called the soul winner's crown? There's people that live their whole lives, get born again maybe as kids, and live their whole lives loving God, serving in church praying, reading their Bible, maybe even praying for some other people, going on a missions trip, and they have never led one person to the Lord ever? 
Think about it. They're probably in this church. One of my challenges is if you have not, make it a mission. I'm going to lead somebody to Jesus. Not because of me, but because God will put somebody in my path if you'll pray that prayer. God, use me today. Amen? You pray that prayer, you're, you're in trouble. You better buckle up. He's going to use you. If you pray, God, use me today, you better be ready. Because he will bring somebody across your path that needs to know what you know, that Jesus is Lord. He is coming back, and we will give an account. Amen? There's something called a soul winner's crown. That means if you have won somebody to the Lord, there's a crown, and it has jewels on it. How many jewels do you want? Oh, I don't care about that stuff. I just love Jesus. You'll care when you get there. There's rewards when we get to heaven. The Bible says, Paul said, to run your race to obtain the prize. We're doing this intentionally. Not to just stack up and be proud and prideful when we get there, but because God has tasked us with something to do in this earth that requires commitment and conviction and discipline. It's on us to help Jesus do exactly what he wanted to do. On this rock, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And then he says, I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven to the church, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have authority. We've got to stop waiting for God to do it when he's already told us to do something. He's told us to do something, and he's waiting for us to do it. He's not going to do anything else until we start obeying. Amen. I love you guys. You know that? Come on. We just, there's just so many people that are hurting. They have no idea what to do, and we're walking around with this light and this message in us, forgetting that it's there. It's in us. It's for them. Amen? Everybody all right? <laughs> this isn't a scolding. This is an encouragement. You can do it. And, and when you do, when you, when you get out there and you share your faith and you say something and you know it was, it was the Lord on the inside, you just sharing something from the Lord to somebody, you know it lights you up. It's like your candle gets another candle added to it, and then another candle, and then there, there's a torch, and then all of a sudden the flame is burning on the inside where you just can't help. But tell somebody Jesus is good. But you got to start somewhere. Amen. Don't let Satan snuff it out, right? What's that little song? Hide it under a bushel. No, I get this little light of mine. I let it shine. Right? What's that verse? Don't let Satan it out. Right? My kid's favorite candle is that trick one where you blow it out and then it starts again. Like if anybody tries to blow your candle out, you should just be so lit up. It just starts right all over, right all over again. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 14 says this. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. Whatever God does, it shall be forever. When God does something, he does it eternally. He has placed us in the body of Christ eternally. I mean, just look around for a minute. Just take a look at a couple of people around you. These people that are around you right now, connections we're making right now. That God is going to use us for eternity with jobs and assignments, and it's going to be awesome. He doesn't do anything halfway. He connects people. And even in seasons of life, when we've been in different churches and different places, he's connecting us and knitting us together so that we can function as a church and sharpen each other and stir each other up. We are called as a body of Christ to be so attractive to the world because of how we behave to one another that they want in. We're so good at taking care of each other that they want in. And they're welcome, aren't they? We got to be good at this, which means we got to take time in our schedules to help the Lord Jesus build his church by getting together with one another 
and then inviting others to come to the table too. That means, that means that's going to require something of you. Hospitality is not easy. Inviting people over to, the, to your house is not necessarily always easy. Right? You've got to clean. You've got to shove all the stuff in the closet that's got all the stuff in it already. I know. I live there too. It, it, it takes effort and work and discipline. But I'm telling you, having people in your home and breaking bread and, and encouraging one another is what we are called to do. It is beneficial to you and whoever you have over. And we've gotten so busy with work and school and schedules. We're missing opportunities for God appointments to show the world we are, we are the church of Jesus Christ and we take care of each other. And it's open to anyone. Thank you, Lord. We have family here. We have family in heaven. One big, great, big family, right? We're going to get to see them. I'm going to get to see my grandparents someday. I get to see my dad soon, right? That's the hope that I have. No doubt, no concern, no worry. I get to see him soon and then forever. Come on now. We're all family. We got th- to see it that way, treat it that way. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you're going to consider somebody, that means you're thinking about them, right? I mean, that's one thing my wife has told me in the past and, and maybe even in the recent past, right? She's like, I want you, I want to know that you're thinking about me. So I make an effort to make a phone call. Hey, what's thinking about you? What's going on? You need anything? I'm, I'm passing by the store, right? When you live in the country and you're passing by the store, it's best for you to call home. Saves you another trip, right? Just call, hey, I'm thinking about you. You need anything? These things are, this is, this is the word of God showing us that we're to consider one another. We're to think about one another. Think about the other people in our church. Consider them so that by, by uh, stirring up that love and that good works, when we're helping each other grow in the grace of God. But if we just live in our own little bubble and we just do our own little thing and we just do our own little schedule, we're missing opportunity to see lives changed, to connect with the body of Christ. And again, it isn't just a club. I'm not talking about just making us a club and we all huddle together and we just, we just like each other and that's it, we're good. But the goal is to connect, to bond, to, to grow together so that again, the world looks in and doesn't see a church that's willing to, to eat their own when they make a mistake. They're willing to help each other, lift each other up, come alongside. I mean, come on now. The world's view of the church overall is not good. It's not good. They, they, we, in many cases, the church looks just like the world. You cross me, I will cut you. And that's just not okay. It's not okay. Amen. Turn up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We are supposed to know that we know as believers that Jesus is about to come back. And I realize saying that, that they have been saying this and we've seen it in scripture for 2,000 years. 100% know it, right? We've spent weeks on a subject like this talking about the coming of the Lord. We're probably close to another one. It's been a little bit. It's been a minute. But Jesus is coming back in our lifetime. We are at the end of the 2,000 years of the grace age, the church age. We're at the end of it. The six days of creation built out over six 1,000-year periods. We're at the end where Jesus is about to come back. And this says, as we see the day approaching, we are supposed to make sure that we are not forsaking getting together and stirring each other up in love and good works. That means... That means This scripture was written looking 2,000 years ahead and said, they're going to be so busy with life, we're going to have to remind them 
to not get so caught up in that and make sure they're getting together, make sure they're fellowshipping, make sure they're breaking bread, having a good time, acknowledging the Lord in everything that they do and stirring each other up for love and good works. You ever been around somebody that, that's good at something you're good at, a hobby that you're good at, or something that you really like, and you get around another person that might be a motorhead or a car guy, right, or a, uh, let's see, motorcycles, airplanes for me, right, or golf, something, right? I'm just naming all my hobbies. Whatever your hobbies are, you ever get around them? And, and you start talking about that, and then something lights up on the inside of you, and you're like, oh, I never saw that before. That's amazing. What did you do when this happened? And you, you start feeding off each other. Am I the only one? Seriously? What's the matter with you guys? When you get around other people that like what you like, you kind of get stirred up. Like something on the inside just gets revved up, and you get excited about getting after it again and going for some things. Same thing's true when it comes to the Word of God. When we get around other believers... We get each other fired up and excited about the things of God. I get stirred. I like getting around other ministers, other pastors that are doing things around the country and God's talking to them and they're stepping out in faith and they're seeing tremendous results. It stirs me up that I'm hearing from God too and we're doing things and God's moving and he's working. It fires me up to come back and and preach a fiery message, right? You get an evangelist that came like even just three weeks ago for the block party. He preaches in church and talks about how he's winning people to Jesus and they're getting set free and they're showing up and getting totally out of drugs and prostitution and they show up to church to get baptized and their whole family's there because they're excited about what happened to their kid. That fires me up. It should fire you up. The things of God should stir on the inside of you so that we don't just get together and have bread and, and, and eat a meal and just talk football or just talk weather or just talk politics, but we bring up the things of God and how God's stirring in our hearts. And you have a story to tell, hey, I, I shared something with somebody at work today and it, it meant something to them. I was able to share a scripture. I was able to pray with somebody. I was able to lead somebody to Jesus this week. That should stir us up to do more, to go farther, amen? amen. I feel like I'm the only one excited right now. <laughs> God's helping us, amen? amen? We gotta be committed to each other because Acts chapter two, Acts chapter 2, turn over there real quick. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is right after the church happens from the very beginning. It just gets going in verse 42. 3,000 souls, 41, 3,000 souls are saved, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, and from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This pattern is, is that we find the Lord... We're grateful that he's forgiven us. He's removed that weight, that burden. He's taken everything off of us, right? We're grateful that heaven's our home. And then we begin to share that with one another. They were breaking bread from house to house, just grateful. If somebody had need, people pitched in. Out of their stuff they could sell, they sold stuff and pitched in and helped people. We should be so good at taking care of the body of Christ that the world looks and goes, we gotta be a part of that church. They take care of their own right there. And then they kept doing it, continued daily, breaking bread from house to house, They were seeing signs and wonders and miracles, and they were having favor with all people. Because they were doing this, when they went into the marketplace, when they went into their jobs, when they moved around, they had favor with everybody else. 
Because they were honoring God first place in putting building the church first. Amen? We're all tasked with this. We will all stand before the Lord. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm putting you on notice right now. We will all stand before the Lord. And not as a group. Individually, before the master, when he asks us, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you follow my commands? Because the group that hears well done, good and faithful servant is not a large group. I mean, we'd like to think he, every, everybody that said yes to Jesus is going to hear well done. Some of it's going to be, well, you're done. Not the same. Amen? We've got to run for the prize. Thank you, Lord. The people being added to this church were being saved. The lost were coming into the kingdom because they were fellowshipping. They were rejoicing in each other. They were taking care of each other. That's our job. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's our family. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Come on, we're the whole family who's named after the name that's above every name. Jesus is the, is the head of the church, amen? amen? And we're in the church. We are, we are written in the Lamb's book of life. That makes us the family of God. So you're stuck with us. I'm so sorry, but we're it. God puts you in this family, and we're going to love on you and care for you, and God wants to do some awesome things with you and through you. But dive in. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the church is supposed to be family, not an institution. The church has business to take care of, but we're not a business. We're a family. Amen. There's mamas, there's daddies, there's kids, there's grown kids, younger kids, babies. As a church, come on, our job as a church is to, and as individuals, is to grow in the things of God, which means we have to be very intentional and very purposeful about growing in the things of God. Paul said, he told these new believers, uh, or this, was, this was in Peter, Peter told these new believers, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. He's, he's tasking us with growing because everybody starts with milk. Come on, you don't, you don't try to put even the mowed up bananas, the Gerber baby carrot food. You don't give that to infants. They start with milk. But at some point, you've got to transition. Amen? You cannot be five, six, seven years old and still at mama getting milk. That is not okay. It's weird. It's too long. Right? And yet, spiritually speaking, there are 30 and 40-year-old believers still on milk, crying in the nursery. This is not okay. We are tasked with growing up, developing, so that as a family, come on, when the new believers come, and they come almost on a weekly basis in this place, when the new believers come, that they are, they are getting milk, they are getting what they need, but there are people ahead and growing beyond them that can help them, nurture them, guide them instruct them. That's how the family's supposed to work. And just in talking structure, because we talked about family structure, right? God is the head. He's, he's, he's the guy. He's the one. He's running the show. And he has tasked Jesus with being the head of the church, who is our head. He's our master, our savior. And then Paul makes the comparison of Christ as the head of the church. So is the husband, the head of the wife, head of the family. Amen. I know this isn't politically correct. I realize that, but the Bible's not going to change. So if we, will, if we will operate in our lives the way God designed it, he will help us do everything in life. And when it comes down to the church, it's just like families. There are heads, there's leadership, there's, there's daddies and mamas. 
And there's kids, and there's grown kids and young kids. And we're all functioning in this, trying to learn and grow. And so we're tasked, we're tested with submitting to things when we don't agree. That's the only time you can actually submit is when you don't agree. If you're agreeing with everything, you're never really testing submission. Amen? So there's things that I'll say that God will ask me to say from here, maybe even speak into your lives on time. If you'll give me the place to do it, God will give me things to speak into your lives. If you'll listen to it, God will help you. Again, I'm not trying to control anybody. Nobody call me and tell me what kind of peanut butter they're supposed to buy. Those are not the decisions I'm helping you with, right? Because there's a whole group of Christians got super goofy where pastor runs the whole show and it's weird. It's cult, way off the rails. But when you submit it, he won't tell you any other way unless you're submitted. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to dictate your life. I'm just, I want God to use me in the best way possible to impact the kingdom of God. And the same thing should be true for you. You want to let him use you in the best way possible to impact the kingdom of God. But there are things that people need to hear that you need to say to them in your life that he won't tell them any other way except through you. And if you're unwilling to say it, where does that put them? Thank you, Lord. In my family, you know, Caden's 14. Dagny's 11. Malin's 6. Caden can do more than Dagny and more than Malin. And Dagny can do more than Malin. Caden, at 14, almost 15, she can back the car out of the garage into the driveway. She can do that. I would not let Malin do that. (laughs) That would be dumb, right? There's just certain things you just don't hand off to the younger ones. And so in a family, we've got to figure out, okay, where am I at? What, how am I growing? Am I, am I maturing? Am I developing? Or am I still getting drugged along in the, in the baby carriage? What's happening here? I need to get out of this thing. I need, to, I need to grow into something so I can be tasked with more. I can be given more. And as you grow in the things of God, he will hand you more stuff. And if your schedule's so full that he can't add anything to you, you're going to stay in toddlerhood. You're going to stay in babyhood. There's tasks you have to learn that prove that you have matured. Amen? We prove that in our kids all the time, right? Staying in bed at night, staying in the crib, stop crawling out of that thing for crying out loud, right? Use the bathroom by yourself. I mean, you're 12 years old. I'm not helping you anymore. I mean, come on now. We're just trying to equate this into spiritual life, but this is what's happening in the church worldwide. People just, they're just not willing to pray for themselves. Okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God wants unity in our family too. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says this. Ephesians 4, 11. He himself, that's the Lord Jesus, has, has given some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. This is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is growing up. My job is to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I stand here today in my position that he's given me to help equip you guys to think every day, God, how am I helping you build the church? How am I, how am I being a leader in my home? How am, I, how am I leading my kids and leading my family in this day, in this season, in this hour that honors you and pleases you and it's progress toward where you need me to be? Every day, we got to think this way. Every day. And we can still do our tasks. We can still do our jobs. We can still function in what he's given us to do with the people that, are, that we're responsible for around us. 
And yet every day think, God, how can I honor you today and not be so task saturated that I forget that I carry the life of God on the inside of me for such a time as this, that when something comes up, I know what to do because God's inside of me and I can pray, I can speak, I can, I can move, I can say something that will encourage and help and maybe even lead somebody to the Lord and Savior. Every day we got to think this way, Lord, how are you going to use me today? Because if you do pray that prayer, Lord, use me, he's going to do it. Thank you, Lord. That we should no longer, verse 14, be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, watch this, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. He puts, it right, he puts us right back into the body of Christ, that we will grow up in all things into the head of Christ, who is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Come on, say, that's me, that's me. You're the joint, you're bringing your supply, amen? According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we show up and we bring our supply, it says every part, every part, that's us, every part of the body of Christ, when we show up and we bring our supply and we do our share of the work, the Lord says that's how he builds the church when we step up and we do our part. And this, all, this whole verse is together. The, the, the ministry of the prophet and the evangelist and the, and the pastor, the teacher, and, and the apostle, the, that ministry is to equip the body of Christ to go out and do the work of the ministry. And as we do that and we do our part, then Jesus will add to the church. And again, this isn't just about numbers and building a bigger building. All of that will happen organically as we follow Jesus. But we all have to own it for ourselves, that it's not just about us and what we're doing. We are tasked with something in this earth to bring light to the lost, bring hope to the hurting, amen? Bring healing to the sick. That's what we are called to do. Bring deliverance to the captives. And there's a world full of people that have no idea they're in bondage. They have no idea that their eyes are darkened, that the enemy holds them back in a gate that Jesus said, those gates will not prevail against my church. We're supposed to walk up to it and just kick it right in and say, I'm bringing Jesus with me. Who wants, who wants to go? Let's go, let's go. There's a whole bunch of people that are willing and ready that want to say yes to Jesus, but nobody's kicked that gate down. Come on, when you don't know what you don't know, you're in trouble. When you're in dark, when you're ignorant and you know you're ignorant, you're in a better place because now you know you can grow in some something. You can, I, I just don't know enough about this. If I learn, I'll grow, I'll be good. But when you don't know, you're in trouble. Somebody needs to show up for you. That's us showing up for somebody, kicking the gate down. Come on. Jesus is Lord. He loves you. He's got an awesome plan for you. You've been seeing him your whole life. You've been seeing him in sunrises and sunsets. You've been seeing him in the mountains of Washington, the emerald lakes that we have. You've been seeing him in the flowers that bloom in spring. You've seen him in desert. You've seen him at nighttime with the stars in the sky. You know there's something bigger than just you. You know there's a God. And I'm telling you right now, the God that I serve is the God you're looking for. And Jesus came to the earth to die for your sin, to take everything off of you that you thought you had to carry on your own. And now you're free in Christ. And now you can live your life full of freedom and health and prosperity and walk with the goodness of God. He will help you and guide you and direct you. And then he'll turn you loose to set your relatives on fire for the Lord too. It's a way better life than just what you're doing. And you know it already in your heart. Are you willing to let down, let go, let God do what he wants to do in you? Are you willing? People need this in their lives. Somebody bold enough to say something because the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Amen? 
Come on, we have the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We've got to use them and do our job. But it's all of us taking ownership. I'm not saying it's easy. Come on, we have conditioned ourselves to make our flesh comfortable. Come on, we got, we got lazy boy recliners that vibrate in heat. I mean, we got heated seats in our cars and air conditioning. We are conditioned to make this comfortable. We got to step outside of our comfort zone. Be willing to be shamed by the world to say what's right and true, that Jesus is Lord and he's coming back. Amen. The church is a family. This is what I want to leave you with and we'll close right here. The church as a family, we have to do a better job of of showing the world what it looks like to love each other and take care of each other. And I'm encouraging you all to reevaluate your schedules. Because, and, and we're guilty of this too. I mean, come on, being a pastor of a church and then thank God we're laying down construction because I was doing all of that on top of it. Lord Jesus, I don't even know how we got there. But it, it was just full life, right? But laying down things, listening to the Lord, setting things up, it's easy to get so full that when you do want to get together with somebody, it's like, well, how's January look for you right now? Because, you know, my next four months are full. Our schedules should not be that full. I'm just trying to help you. You should, have, you should have family times in there. You should have gaps in your schedule that are intentionally there so that somebody that you need to minister to or somebody in your church, you can get together and break bread and not have to wait three weeks to do it. And I'm talking to me too. I'm, I'm having to be disciplined better in this. Because it's easy to fill the Google Calendar. Are you hearing me? We absolutely can. Again, back to reality. We are here for a short amount of time to make an impact into people's lives. And some of the people you need to be impacting are right here. They need stirring. They need strengthening. They need encouragement. They need you to say, you're doing good. Keep going. God's got this. Speak words of life into people. And you need to hear that from others. And then that, in turn, will turn you into a fireball for God. Because when you're stirred up outside of this morning, you're stirred up during the week with peers and friends of yours that are going after the things of God, well, you'll just want to get up and let's, let's go to Walmart right now. We're going to tell somebody about Jesus. Something will stir on the inside of you to go tell somebody something. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So I think we can do, I think we can do a better job. I'm, I'm happy with what we're at and what we're doing. I think as a church as a whole, we can do a better job of connecting making commitments to each other, getting together, encouraging one another, loving on each other, and using that as a launching pad to be exactly who we're called to be. Share Jesus with the world. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember, Jesus is coming soon.